Thanks, Michael and Charlene and Noah. Appreciate that. Yes, next week we will be launching the Matthew 25 Challenge, and we'll talk more about it next week. But it's an opportunity for you to engage and understand more of how the poor live in other parts of the world through a very tactile, hands-on experience that will be a challenge for you and probably for your children as well in different ways. Um, some of your kids will have no problem with, you know, one of the challenges is wear the same clothes today as you did yesterday. Some of your kids will probably have no problem with that. At least we had one or two in our family that when they were growing up, they, they would wear the same clothes for a whole week if they could. So that won't be a challenge. But it's a whole way of looking at things through the eyes of helping the poor and, and serving the poor. And then at the end, there's an opportunity for us to be involved in serving our community and the poor in our community as well. I heard last Sunday as well that it was a great Sunday and uh, this, and this past weekend. And so uh, we're glad. They're actually the couple that was sharing last weekend are here with us today. So if you didn't get a chance to be talk to them last weekend, they're here in our service. And uh, I got a chance to meet them uh, a couple of Tuesdays ago, I guess it was. And we had a great time catching up on, on, on the way God was working in and through their lives. And so we're, we're grateful for that opportunity to catch up with them. I also heard the food was amazing, and uh, it was Mexican tacos or something, I think, and I, I love tacos, so I wish I would have been here too. But anyway, so we're glad. It was a good time, so you don't, won't want to miss the one in August, the long weekend in August. Today we're going to continue on in our series called The Relevancy of the Ten, as we look at one more of the Ten Commandments. And it's easy to forget, as we look at these, to forget that God calls us to obedience out of relationship. It's His relationship with us. And one of, the, as I said, one of the keys there is that the fact that His commands were not given to a world, but rather they were given to a nation, specifically the Israelites. And though they are good and valid for everyone, God really only called Is the Israelite nation to obedience the people that were in relationship with him. All the benefits, if people follow them, especially in relationship with him, they're, they're, there's incredible benefits to that, of walking in step with him. But all of those benefits often only come or are enabled because we are able to do it through his strength who works in us. So this again, as I want to go back to the verse 2, which is kind of the premise for all of the Ten Commandments, it's the prelude that we want to remind us of as we look at this third one. And so I'm going to read Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, which says, where God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He is the Savior. He's the hero of the story. And he says, I want you to respond back to me in obedience as you follow these, that I, these commands I give you. So today we're going to look at the third commandment. It's about the name of God and how we use it. Now there was a saying that I grew up with, and it was, it was this. It said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Does that still, people still use that phrase these days? You ever heard, how many of you still heard, have heard that phrase recently? Young, young kids, you ever heard? Maybe it was a, maybe it's really an old phrase, I don't know. But we used to kind of sing it. And, you know, as much as we wanted it to be true, it actually 
probably we were trying to convince ourselves it wasn't true because actually it did hurt when people mocked us or belittled us or, or insulted us in some way. We wanted this statement to be true, but in, in actuality, names do hurt us as individuals. Even today, most of us do not like our names to be changed in some way. Some people are very specific, or they want you know, the, the full use of their name. They don't want their name shortened down in any way, shape, or form. And often, when people are given nicknames, we don't necessarily really like them unless they're some kind of nicknames of endearment. Now, I don't like the term jerk, which I've been called that on, on, on a few occasions, but I do, nick, I do like the nickname Grandpa. That, that's, that's got a really nice ring to it. In college, I was given a nickname. Um, the nickname I was given was Cereb, which was short for Cerebral Polsky. Initially, I hated it because um, I thought it was kind of demeaning or whatever. But then I kind of I came to grips with it because, of course, college friends, they don't, just because you don't like it doesn't mean they're going to stop calling you that. And so the nickname continued all the way through the last few years of my college. And I now and I actually see it as a name of a kind of endearment to me. It's, but it's funny how nicknames impact you, isn't it? Just think about this, though. If we don't like certain kinds of nicknames, how do you think God feels about it when his name gets maligned or misused or, or, or used in a wrong way? And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. Exodus chapter 20, the third commandment. We're going to look at verse 7. God tells Moses and the people of Israel, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, as I was thinking this through and impacting it, usually there's a kind of an obvious way that we look at this phrase. I mean, the King James Version says that, you know, uses the phrase, Don't take his name in vain. Or, we more often kind of use that term, don't, don't use God's name as a swear word. That's kind of how we've generically used the word. But I think it's more than that. It's more than that. It's not even that God doesn't want us to use his name. Because the name of God appears some six or 7,000 times in the Old Testament. God wants us to use his name. But it's interesting how God's name, the name of Jesus, has been so misaligned, misaligned or misused. Have you ever heard somebody when they were really mad go, Oh, Buddha! I don't think I've ever heard that. Or, or used Allah's name in the same way. Or Zeus, or Krishna, or any other of the gods that our world claims to be. Nobody ever uses any of those names you know, in, in a derogatory way. Now, Granted, there are some who have mocked Allah, and they've paid pretty dearly in so doing. And therefore, there's probably a very high respect for the name of Allah in our world, regardless of a person's worldview. Yet the name of Jesus is misused every day, thousands and thousands and millions of times throughout our world. Even the name God is, is maligned and, and used derogatory oftentimes. And, and kind of just thrown out there as if it's just another word of, ex, of, of, of frustration or whatever. 
Even when people say OMG, we all know what that stands for. But you might as well be saying the, the very phrase itself rather than just the letters. Now, if I thought about my name being used so commonly by so many different people and interchangeably with other words like words that refer to excrement or sexually explicit terms or very demeaning phrases or words or, or derogatory or condemning words, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like that. I don't know about you, but I would, I would, that would really hurt me. And if that would hurt me, and I'm sure it would hurt you, how much more when God's name gets lowered or used wrongly or misused? I don't think God wants us to, to, to use his name in such a way. Now, having said that, at the same time, I don't think God is calling us to uphold his name in the sense that if anybody else uses his name, God wants us to police that and, and command others and demand others that they not use his name. I, I don't think God is calling us to police that in everybody else's life. But he is calling us to police it in our own life. No matter how much it pains us that people use God's name or Jesus' name poorly, I don't think God calls us to, to, to correct them or to rebuke them. Because as you look at what, verse, what the verse 7 says there at the end, it says, for the Lord will not uphold not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God is big enough, and he can handle his own name. He'll look after his own name. Because most people have no understanding what's going on. And the only way they're going to understand what's going on is if the Spirit of God convicts them of that. But he, God wants me to use his name rightly. Now, there's two very important things that are connected to, to a name. I don't know if you've thought about this, but there are two important things. One is identity, and the other is power or influence. So I'm going to look at those two, because that's a very big thing when we talk about misusing God's name or using God's name. Two things. The first one we're going to look at is identity or character. A name is very much directly connected to character. Now, for, for example, if I say the name Hitler or Stalin... Certain images come to your mind of those, of those two individuals, things of their character, things you believe about them, feelings about them, etc. If I use the term Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, hopefully it's the flip side of some of those emotions and thoughts that come to your mind. Now, if there's some other names that I could bring up here, like Trudeau, Trump, and Biden, now that, there could be great division over those names. You see, a name elicits a certain amount of emotion. It brings to mind a certain character. It brings to mind a certain quality in the individual. And the more that you have a relationship with those individuals, the more you know them personally, the more, the more they will elicit a certain emotion or picture in your mind. Names are very much tied to character. And depending on the character of the person, that kind of, and the relationship we have with them, that image kind of plays itself out in our mind. And part of that has to do with integrity. The integrity or the character of a person, the ability to live above reproach is crucial to one's name, especially if you want to have a good name, 
If you don't care what anybody thinks about you, then it doesn't, your integrity doesn't matter. But we often think, can the person be trusted? Do they stand by their word? Will they, will they change their mind under pressure? Are they somebody different when no one else is watching? Those are often things we think about when it comes to character. And a person's name is directly connected to character or lack thereof. That's why when we say those names, you automatically have a certain image or feeling or response that happens within you as those names are repeated. Now oftentimes, and, and by God's grace, we want to change so that our character changes. We, we become more people of integrity. But sometimes, even though we are people of integrity, we can still stumble and fall. But the interesting thing is that God never changes. His name is, always has meant the same thing. God never changes. We look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. First part of that, that verse says, I, the Lord, do not change. Or also in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, he doesn't change. God doesn't change. God doesn't get frustrated or, or angry with us or going, oh, these people, I just, I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to forgive them anymore. I'm not going to love on them. I'm not going to care for them. I'm not going to hear them. God never changes. He doesn't say, Sucks to be you guys. I changed my mind. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. God's character stays exactly the same. He has not changed his, the way he loves people, nor has he, has he changed the way he will uphold justice. He does not change any of that. He's the same. Now, the second part of, of, of a name has to do with the power or influence. The power behind a name, the influence behind a name. Names have power, not always for good. You know, a person can have lousy character, but incredible, huge power. As we talked about Hitler and Stalin, you know, their character wasn't the greatest, but they had huge power. Other people can have amazing character, but seemingly little power. Probably very few of us in this room, if any of us, actually have the ability to sway government or to change laws. We don't have that kind of power, at least in and of ourselves, because of our character. However, when we talk about the name of Jesus, or the person of Jesus, or the person of God, he wields incredible power, and sometimes we don't even comprehend the power that is behind him. Now, if you're following along, I'm going to go through, I'm not even going to read these verses out, but I'm going to reference them. So if you want to, if you can write really fast, you can keep track of this. Or if you get on the Bible app, go into um, more and events, you can search for today's message, the sermon notes, and all these passages of Scripture are there. So you can reference them later. But I'm just going to run through a number of the characteristics of, of, of how um, God displays His power how it's tied to his name. And I'm, ju I'm just touching a few of them. I haven't even, there's, there's a lot more we could go through. The first one is this, that creation obeys God. The wind and the waves, we see that in, in the Gospels, in Matthew 8, 27. Now, 
not only does they, they obey him, but he actually created them all. He holds the world together and has set up the authority and structures, whether thrones and powers or rulers, whatever. He set them all up. And we see that in Colossians 1 and Matthew 28. He's overcome the world. We see that as another place. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus proclaims that. He alone is the one who saves. No other name or person can set a person free from sin and death. And we see that in Acts and in John. Not only that, but every person, every human being, every, everything in all creation, every, even every spirit will one day bow before him, before his name. We see that in Philippians chapter 2. The interesting thing is he even tells us to ask in his name. To, to, to pray in his name. And he promises to answer. There's lots of places, but a couple of places in John that talk about that. John 14, John 16, talks about how we can pray in his name. In, even in, in Acts chapter 3, there's, there's healing in the name of Jesus. Again, we can see that even in Isaiah and other places. There's healing in the name of Jesus. That Jesus can bring healing. Hebrews talks about how that 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 through him, um, Jesus can hold the power of death and fear of death in his hands as well. Isaiah says that he is above, that the government is on his shoulders, that, that, that his name is, is so great, so powerful, so far beyond, that it literally rests on, on, on Jesus' shoulders. That he actually holds all governments and powers in control. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that only God is the one who persuades. I don't have the ability to persuade. I can't communicate and convince you of truth. I can't convince you that God is real. I can't convince you of anything. I can speak. I can share a few words. But really, the conviction has to come from the Holy Spirit who works inside of a person. There's a story in the book of Acts, Acts 19. And this is where somebody tried misusing God's name in a different way. Maybe you've never, you've probably read this passage but never thought of it through this kind of a lens. But in Acts chapter 19, there's these, this, this family that decided to misuse God's name in a specific way for their own purposes, for selfish ambition. And so we, we pick it up in verse 13. It says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to evoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, just think about that for a minute. The demon actually responded, Jesus I know, Paul I know, I respect these guys, but who are you who are using the name of Jesus? What authority do you have? How, how can you do that? 
And so this one guy beat up seven sons, seven other guys. He's a powerful guy when you got a demon on you. And then verse 17 says, When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. You see, the whole thing of the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus, but it's not magical. These guys sought to use the name of Jesus for their own notoriety, for their own wealth, for, their, for pushing their own agenda, for becoming somebody they weren't, but they had no relationship with Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. They, just, they, just, they, they saw what Jesus' name did through Paul and through Peter and through others, and they thought, hey, we're going to try the same thing. It must be a magic formula of some sort. But the power of the name of Jesus comes when we're in relationship with him. And that's what he wants us to, that's how he wants us to use his name. He wants us to use his name. I mean, we have to respect his name because these guys, they abused his name. They misused it. But he invites us to use his name, to ask in his name, to pray in his name. And the reason he does that is because his name is written on our heart, is written on our lives. We died with him, we raised with him, we accepted the sacrifice that he gave for us, and we will surrender to his authority and allow him to be the Lord, then we can't are eligible to be his ambassadors, his spokespeople. We carry his name and the authority of his name, not because we're of anybody of significance, but because he has changed us and set us free. Isn't that amazing? That we have his name and we can use his name because he's given it to us so freely. And yet, there's power in his name and yet we do it with great humility. Jesus infuses himself into our lives. He meshes himself with us. He becomes our righteousness, our health, our everything, our hope, our joy, our peace, our love. He becomes everything in us. And therefore, when we speak his name, when we act in his name, we are representing him, the king, as his ambassadors. That's, that's absolutely astounding when I think about it. The kind of authority and the presence God wants to offer us. Now on the flip side, if people, as these sons, seven sons of Sceva, maybe that was enough to, sh to shake them up. But really, the only way they could really respond and get connected to Jesus was, is to surrender to him, is that God would reveal himself to them. And that's the same for us. As I said earlier, I don't have any ability or power to convince people to believe in Jesus. Only His Spirit can. And my desire constantly is, Jesus, reveal yourself to these people. Show yourself to them. And maybe some of you here don't know Jesus yet. Well, then ask Him, Jesus, I don't know if you're real. Just, just be honest with Him. God's okay with honesty. He loves honesty. Jesus, show me that you are real. And oftentimes, we, 
even for our children. That's a great place to engage our own children because sometimes our children don't really know whether or not God is real. And they need to encounter God for the first time, even as we had to encounter God. So invite them to talk to Jesus. Invite them to, to ask Jesus to come in and to reveal himself to them and let, them, let him speak to them. Because when God does that, things change in their lives, things that you as parents only wish you had the ability to do. As we close today, I want to. I want to. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you. The first question is this: I want you to consider the name of Jesus. Consider His power that is connected to His name. Think about it. What's your relationship to Him? Consider the character of Jesus. Consider the power of Jesus. How do you use the name of Jesus? Do you use it lightly? Do you use it flippantly? Think about that. Don't, don't judge others for using it. They may not know better until God convinces them they, shouldn't, they should do it, use his name differently. And, and some will probably never change. Some are so hard that they, they don't care. But that's their choice. It's not up to us to police them. But how are we using his name? The, sec the second question I want, and, and actually I want you to get out a piece of paper or get out your, your phone or whatever, and I want you to open up a notepad or someplace you can write down. And I want you to answer this question. I want you to write your first name. I want you to write it down. Okay, write it down. And then what I want you to do is I want you to think of um, three positive characteristics that when your name is mentioned in a room of people, that that's how people, the three characteristics that people will think of you. How they, will, how they will respond to you. How they will look at you. Think you're, maybe you're, and it might be something like they think you're happy or jovial or intense or creative or whatever. I want you to come up with three characteristics. Write down three characteristics that represent who you are as a person because of your name. Okay, I'm just going to give you a few seconds to think that. Think about that. Three positive characteristics. Okay, not not hopefully not negative ones. Three positive. I should have should have clarified that. Three positive characteristics. You're not showing this to anybody, so you, you can be honest, okay? If you, you think you're, you know, you're in intelligent, you can write that down. That's okay. That's, how, that's who God made you to be. Three positive characteristics, okay? You've done that? Now I want you to write down the name Jesus. Now I want you to write down five characteristics that come to your mind that when you think of the name of Jesus... Maybe things that you've experienced as a result of meeting Jesus. Maybe things you've seen in others. And if you can't stop at five, 
That's okay, write more. Just take a few moments and write down at least five characteristics that come to your mind when you think of Jesus. Now I want you to remember this, as I said earlier, that we are his ambassadors. His name is written on our hearts. As you go out from these doors, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you know him intimately, then guess what? The very thing, his very characteristics will be reflected or should be reflected in your life because you're representing him. And if not, then you need to invite Jesus to say, Jesus, help me to figure out how that can be. Your characteristics, you know, your peace, if you're a God of peace, if you're a God of, of love, if you're a God of, of joy, how those characteristics can be reflected in my life. Because God, I want to reflect your character, your name, because your name is written on me. Christian means Christ one, one of Christ, one of many Christs, many Christs. And so we are reflecting him. And his character should exude out of our, out of our life. So when people think of Jesus, they should actually think of us. You look like Jesus. That would be the greatest honor, one of the greatest honors in the world to have somebody say to you, say to me, you look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. Now, we've talked about just the simple things of the names of God. We've talked about some of the characteristics of God. But do you know that somebody made a list, and I found it on, on the Internet, of 967 names of God, of, you know, Jesus, King, Master, Lord, all those kinds of things. And if you would like that, if you just scan the QR code, you can get the, the PDF of it. Um, and, or you can text name to the church phone number. You can, that'll get it to you as well. But there's, it'll give you all those names. And that will really challenge you to think through the character of God. Who, go, who is God? I mean, even look, you look at this list that's on here. He's, you know, the son of God, uh, tender plant, the bread of living bread, the Lamb of God, just one. He is the great I am. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Use that as you worship Him, as you engage Him, as you discover more about who God is. Because He's worthy of all our worship. He's worthy of our worship. He doesn't God is so amazing, and yet sometimes we treat him so poorly. We ignore him, we mock him, or we misuse his name even at worst. But God is the same. He never changes, and he wants to be worthy, and he is worthy. And he calls us to call on him, not to rely on our own strength, our own abilities, our own wisdom, or listen to the fears that so rapidly surround us but rather look to Him. And He promises to hear us. He promises to hear our cry, our call to Him. For He is worthy. He is powerful. 
And he never leaves us. He never forsakes us because he never changes. As we close, as I invite Mabel to come up, she's going to lead us in the closing song. Um, the beautiful, beautiful name, I think is the one. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. That's the one. Um, she's going to lead us in that. And, and it's a great opportunity to reflect on, on the beautiful name of Jesus, that he is beautiful in so many ways, and he's worthy of our worship. So let's sing as we worship him. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then Mabel's going to uh, lead us in that song. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that your name has great value. That your name stands for great integrity of character. That you do not change. Even though our world often accredits you with stuff that you never did or things that you never approved of, God, those aren't really your character. They're a reflection of us who have maybe mis maligned your character by, by, like these seven sons of Sceva, using your name in the wrong way, which has happened a lot in our world, sadly. But God, today we want to surrender to you. We know that you are a God of justice, a God of love, a God of compassion, a God of joy, a God of peace, a God of hope, that you want the best for us. That is who you are. And God, we thank you that you are that kind of a God and that you never change. God, we want to worship you for who you are. We want to we walk with you. And we want to be your representatives in our world. And God, you've given us the ability to do as you have done. To pray for healing, to see supernatural healing done. You invite us to do that. God, you invite us to help people find people find freedom from addictions and sin. All because we bear the name of Jesus upon our hearts, upon our lives. God, give us boldness Give us courage. Give us the focus to keep our eyes upon you. For we love you, Jesus. Amen.